Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we talk with Alan Johnson at Johnson's Grain Marketing about grain prices. We look at all specialty crops as well as wheat and canola. We talk with the Provincial Crops Extension Specialist in Weyburn about harvest in the southeast. Harvest is approaching the three-quarters mark. And it looks like yields are very good, above average. We also hear from the provincial agrologist in Yorkton. And we hear that crops in that area, although harvest is further behind and rain is affecting harvest today in the Yorkton area, the crops appear to be above average as well. We also hear about the protein industry and what's happening there. There's a $30 million fund to help food-based companies expand protein processing. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. Demand remains quite strong for feed barley in Saskatchewan. Alan Johnson with Johnson's Grain Marketing in Welwyn says there have been significant sales of barley, particularly to Feedlot Alley in southern Alberta. We've been quite a bit busier lately, a lot of barley and specifically moving into the feedlot alleys in southern Alberta. We have two guys doing that. That's their kind of their job right now in Calgary. But they are also into the post end of it as well. And they left this morning, uh, flew to Toronto. They're going to be at Niagara Falls tomorrow for the Canadian Special Crop Conventions on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in Niagara Falls. In the casino, the, Niagara, the, what is the Falls Casino, I think they call it. And, but, you know, back to the barley thing, we've moved in lots of barley lately, anywhere from $7 to $7.10, $7.20, $7.30, picked up from farm in different areas of Saskatchewan. More money as you go west because of freight. Then we've been doing a lot of delivered into southern Alberta, into the feedlot alley, uh, at, at different levels, depending on what the feedlots, where they are physically and freight-wise and that. So, like, I'm telling, I'm talking in, tune of like 1,000 ton deals, 1,500, 2,000 ton deals at a crack. So that's the barley market. Feed wheat's uh, quite strong. There's lots of interest in that in winter wheat, stuff like that. It, it, it would be in that 9, 920, 930, 940, again, depending on freight areas and uh, where it's coming from. Kabuli chickpeas right now, I'm jumping into the pulses. Two are, two are better. We're getting bids around 46, 48 cents a pound fob farm for September through December movement. Desi chickpeas uh, are getting bids around 30 cents a pound, fall farm, up to December. Corn is trading for around $8 a bushel right now, Jim. Again, 7 to $8 a bushel seems like quite a spread, but it depends on freight areas. 
Faba beans, I'm reading off my daily sheet here right now. Faba beans, nine fifty to $10, uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Borders, Fog Farm. Feed faba beans, ten ten fifty for two or better. Well, I guess that's not a feed then. That's, feed is 10 to ten fifty. it says here. Brown flax, we're getting bids, $22 to $22.50 farm, September through December movement. Moving on into the lentils, we're getting 30 31 cents on red lentils. Large green lairds, we're getting 42 43 cents a pound, fob farm. Small green lentils, 40 41 cents. Medium greens are around 30 31 cents. French green lentils, uh, 70 to 71 cents. Quite a demand for them right now. Move out of that into mustard and number one yellow mustard. Number one Canada is a dollar two to a dollar five a pound. Brown mustard is 94 to 96 cents a pound. Now, these are exceptional prices compared to, you know, traditionally over the last few years. Oriental mustard, number one, 98 cents to a dollar a pound. Oats, we've been trading anywhere from, you know, anywhere. We've moved them from three. 50 to four and a quarter, really, but uh, the top end of that market has kind of slipped a bit. We're more in that 350, 375 to four dollar range. A lot of guys have filled up with a lot of O's earlier this fall, so that, I think I'm kind of bullish. I think we're going to see that come back here as we move along in time. Yellow peas, 1050 to 12 dollars again, fall far depending on whether they've been sprayed or not, and depending very much on freight areas. Green peas, 1050 to 1150. Maple peas, 1250 to 13 dollars. And just normal feed tea is nine fifty to ten dollars. Move on into rye. Hybrid rye is seven and a quarter to seven thirty-five. Fog farm. Open pollinated rye is seven and a quarter to seven thirty-five as well. Soybeans are getting bids here now of seventeen to seventeen fifty on soybeans. That's it's quite strong. Moved quite a bit of triticale lately. Winter triticale fourteen dollars to fifteen dollars a bushel. Fog farm. Spring trit is ten fifty to eleven dollars. And it's just that's kind of covering pretty much of everything right now. What about the wheat and canola market, Alan? How are the, how do they look? Well, we've been moving a lot of non-GMO canola into Montana into a buyer down there and getting, you know, $24, $25. Other canola is just kind of day-by-day bids, but it's quite a bit less than that. But a lot of guys are hanging on to the canola. They seem very bullish on it. And uh, I certainly am not going to tell them they're wrong. So. We, I'm just hearing the wheat markets, you know, it's kind of been around that 10, 50, 11, 11, 20, uh, you know, mostly delivering into the elevators now. So just that market, I'm sure there's been lots of wheat move. We haven't been moving a lot of hard red spring wheat more into the feed markets. And even as I say more into the feed market, we're not moving much feed wheat neither because guys are, you know, long-term bullish. They're just hanging on there waiting to see what's happening. But a lot of good wheat has moved off the combine to get space and get some cash flow in the fall too. So there's been quite a bit of grain moving, but I would say in the overall, I would say less than normal. I think guys are so bullish and they think this market is, you know, dipped down a little bit and they don't like to see that. So they're, they're hanging tough and hopefully it's going to come back for them. Alan Johnson is the president of Johnson's Grain Marketing. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eavesdrops. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesdrops.ca and your Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. Harvest is approaching the three-quarter complete mark in southeast Saskatchewan. The crops extension specialist in Weyburn, Sherry Roberts, says many crops have been harvested showing strong yields. Crop report, Jim, put it at 57, and at this point in time, that report's a week behind. I would say we're getting awful close to 70 to 75%, if not a little bit more than that in some of the areas. In some of the areas, they're done. How are crops looking in the southeast? 
Oh, they are gorgeous. Uh, the, the vast majority of them. I'm hearing some 100 bushel oat crops coming out of the southeast corner, some 40 to 45 bushel durum crops coming out of that southeast corner in Cardiff and in Oxbow area, you know, where they were really hesitant whether or not they were even going to get a crop in the ground this year. I'm hearing some barley coming at 80 in the Kenosi area, and one gentleman said he thought his feed barley was going to come in at about 120 bushels per acre. Glen Avon, I'm hearing wheat numbers in the 60s. There's some really, really nice fields out there. So what about some of the uh, more newer crops, the corn and the soybeans? How are they looking? I just finished up soybean serving down here in the southeast. I did 15 fields, and it was kind of distributed more down in that Oxbow Cardiff area, but I was in a field southwest of Carryvale, and the beans were chest high, and I'm 5'9", so that's how tall they were, and they were averaging 35 to 40 pods per plant. So there's some outstanding soybean crops out there this year. I was in a field just north of Glen Ewan on Friday, a lot shorter. This one was only knee high, but once again, it was about 30 pods to the plant. So the soybeans have really, really done well this year because they've gotten that late July, early August rains that they needed. And there's some outstanding corn crops out there, but I would like to caution some of the corn producers. If you're noticing what seems to be premature ripening, I believe that you probably have gosses wilt in your corn. And if you want to give me a call, I would certainly come on down and take a look at it for you because that is a bacterial disease that hits the leaves. And if you do have that on your corn ground, you, you want to know about it because you're going to need to do some special things like get some gosses wilt resistant seed and, and, and do some expand out your rotations because I am seeing it as I'm driving around. It, it, it's obvious to me because I've seen enough of it over the years. And a lot of people don't know what it is. And they think it's just premature dry down, and, and it's not. And it really will affect your corn yields fairly substantially. What about flax and some of the other crops? How are they looking? Oh, there's some gorgeous flax out there. I also did some flax surveying and just thick, thick as can be, uh, lots of bowls on them. Granted, there have been a few fields where the grasshoppers have, have tried to, to get into them and, and make a mess, but the proactive farmers that we have down here in the southeast, they got in there and they got their sprays down and they took care of them because, of course, grasshoppers are just a perennial issue down here. But the, the producers have been on top of it, and I don't see that there's necessarily going to be huge, huge crop losses due to grasshoppers in, in this area just because uh, Mother Nature's been so kind to give them such good growing conditions to keep the crops going. But yeah, there's beautiful flax. There's still some cereals that are out. I saw some guys driving in today that were still out combining some lentils. So there's still a few fields of them out there in the southeast. Majority of the peas have been taken off, but we got a ways to go yet because, like I said, we've still got a lot of canola that's going to be straight cut that's still standing, and we've got the flax, and we're looking at corn and, and soybeans yet down here. So when do you expect it to wrap? <laughs> well, that all depends whether Mother Nature keeps throwing some rain at us. I mean, Wavering's had some drizzling here this morning that I know put some people uh, back, and I know last week, last Thursday, we had some little showers that, that stopped people because it was just, the wheat was just too tough and they couldn't, wouldn't go through it. So I would say if Mother Nature cooperates here and I'd say two weeks, maybe three weeks. I mean, these producers here, they, they know their stuff and they get to it. But, you know, you always got to worry about breakdowns and you can't, you're not in control of the weather. Sherry Roberts is the Provincial Crops Extension Specialist. 
Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Brittany Warner here with realagriculture.com, bringing you another episode of our canola school. Joined by Ken Wall. He is the uh, Grow Team Advisor for Federative Cooperatives Limited. How's it going today, Ken? Great. Awesome. Thanks for joining us here. Now, we are talking about salinity for this canola school episode. First and foremost, we'll hear guys, you know, point out a patch in their field uh, that say that's an alkaline patch. If you want to kind of describe or go through the difference of an alkaline patch versus a saline patch and kind of what we're looking at there. All right. So, so typically, in the at least in the southwest or the southern part of the province, when farmers or producers talk about an alkali patch, they're usually talking about salinity. Um, and, and they're not completely wrong because in most saline areas, um, you do typically have a higher pH. So, so the pH can sometimes run up to the, you know high sevens or maybe 8.5. And, and so from that perspective, they're really not wrong but the, the the biggest issue in these areas uh, is salt accumulation you know from excess water and and uh, so we're talking about excess salts in in these areas a true alkali um, area is is an area that's you know got um, elevated levels of, of pH and and not necessarily um, the high levels of salts for sure and when we're talking about uh, strictly salinity um, how can that affect our canola crops and how how can, <coughs> oh my goodness, <coughs> I'm just not good on this one. Uh, I'll just restart that question. All right, Ken, so when we're talking strictly about salinity and our canola crops, um, how can we manage it or how is that going to affect our, uh, our yields? Okay, so salinity, um, the problem is basically excess salts um, that are in solution in the soil root zone. Um, salinity is really a water issue and when producers ask me what do I do with my, my salt area or my salinity area on my, on my field, um, I typically tell them that we need to manage the water to control or maybe even mitigate uh, you know, some of the salt effects. Um, the first thing that uh, we, we usually try to do is to grow salt tolerant crops and as it happens canola is one of the more salt tolerant crops that uh, uh, more salt tolerant annual crops let me let me rephrase that one of the more salt tolerant annual crops that producers grow or that can be grown uh, so canola coupled together with barley are, are probably the two most tolerant crops the problem with growing canola in some of these saline areas is we, we seed it really shallow and in the really top half inches where most of the salt accumulation occurs and that's where a lot of the, the stuff happens in terms of salinity so um, from that standpoint canola sometimes has a tougher time germinating and getting going and because of the high cost of the seed that sometimes deters producers from 
from doing that. However, if you can seed a, a canola uh, crop in, say, a slightly to moderately saline area, and you get a couple of showers right after seeding, uh, which will flush those salts down a little bit and allow the canola to germinate. Once it's germinated, it actually does quite well, and it can tolerate pretty pretty high levels of salinity, at, at least up until the moderate level or a conductivity of about uh, four decisiemens per meter or millisiemens per centimeter. If this is just off the top of my head here for you, Ken, if we have um, a bunch of rain before seeding, if it's wetter conditions going into the seeding season, is that going to change? It will. It will. If we get get some moisture before, and that that'll flush some of those salts down, it actually you know and gives any crop a better chance of germinating and and uh, emerging in these saline conditions. And then once they've emerged, then it comes down to how tolerant this crop is. Can it handle these elevated levels of salinity? Is there anything else we can put with the seed to buffer that salinity? Not really. Um, okay. uh, there's and there really is no amendments that you can actually add to the soil to mitigate the effects of the salts it, it's pure soil chemistry yeah so so the best way is to if you can manage the water if you know where the water is coming from maybe growing in a, a strip of alfalfa to intercept a lot of that water and control the water and that's what'll help you with your salinity management this has been your real agriculture update you can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com it's your agro weather forecast on the source 620 ckrm the official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Partly cloudy today, 30% chance of showers, risk of a thunderstorm. Wind southeast 20, becoming light this afternoon. The high today, 21, the low 8 degrees. Tomorrow, mainly cloudy, 30% chance of showers late in the afternoon. Wind northwest 20, increasing to 40, gusting to 60. The high tomorrow, just 14, the low plus 2. Wednesday, sunny with a high 15, the low 3. Thursday, increasing cloudiness, the high 16. 60% chance of evening showers Thursday, the low 7. Cloudy on Friday, the high 16, the low 6. Saturday, sunny with a high 18, the low 4. Sunday, sunny, the high 20. Normal high is 17, the normal low is 3 degrees for this date. The sun rose at 6.40 this morning. It sets at 7.04 tonight and around the province. The hot spot is Coronac, south of Regina, right near the U.S. border, at 24 degrees. The cold spot, Collins Bay, at 10. Estevan is 22, Saskatoon 13, Swift Current 18, Weyburn 21, Yorkton is 14. Regina, partly cloudy and 18, that's 64 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the southeast at 11. Humidity is 60%, the barometric pressure rising 100.7. Partly cloudy, Moose Jaw, 20 degrees. Winds are from the southwest at 4. Once again, Regina, partly cloudy and 18, that's 64 Fahrenheit. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada. Before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils, maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director, Jim Smalley. 
This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems. Experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. Cool rainy weather is hampering harvest progress in Saskatchewan's parkland region today. Samantha Marcino is the crops extension specialist for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture in Yorkton. I was taking along pretty good there for a while. This past week has slowed down. There's some rain in the area and then not really great drying conditions and some more rain today. But hopefully after this little rainy spell passes us, everyone will be able to get going again. Marcino says barley... Wheat and some canola crops have been harvested. She describes yields as above average for the area. She says farmers will need a few weeks of warm, dry weather to wrap up harvest. Oh gosh, I don't know. The weather doesn't look like it's going to smarten up that much, uh, but you never know with that. I would say, yeah, minimum two weeks, probably a bit more until I know to be finished up around here, depending on the weather. Uh, you know, the days are getting so much shorter and it's, it's really damp out in the evening, so you can't really get... Uh, long days in right now but if it gets sunny and you know a bit of a breeze and dries up you guys can cover a lot of ground in a short period of time and the flax will need a good hard frost before it can be combined yeah flax always seems to be uh, one of those crops they seed last and it's also combined last um canola as well i mean these rains aren't really harming it in some areas where it was maybe a little too dry this rain or this moisture is actually helping it out um just those cereals i mean obviously we don't want rain on them right now but there's a good chunk of them already off in the area much of the remaining canola will likely be straight cut samantha marcino is the crops extension specialist for the saskatchewan ministry of agriculture you're tuned to saskatchewan agriculture today on the source 620 ckrm this segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com Regina-based Protein Industries Canada has set up a $30 million fund to support expansion of the plant-based food business. The Chief Technology Officer for Protein Industries Canada, Megan Gervais, says the fund will support the use of artificial intelligence to expand the use of food options from field peas. Today announced the launch of a specific fund targeted at artificial intelligence-related uh, projects. And so it's part of the Pan-Canadian Artificial Intelligence Strategy, and we will be launching a $30 million fund for projects related to bringing AI into pea processing. Tell me about AI and pea processing. How does that work? <laughs> yeah, so artificial intelligence and using it to really take data that our companies are generating and, and make decisions about the processing technology that they're developing. So really data-driven decision-making and bringing sort of the highest level of technology into the processing facilities that we're running in, in Canada and, and around the world, really. Is there a lot of artificial intelligence used in pulse crop processing? Yeah, so I think this will be a really interesting journey for us. It's the first time that there's been a dedicated fund for specifically bringing AI into, into our sector. And so I think it'll be some new ground for our companies. There's there's a lot to learn about what companies can do with artificial intelligence and I think we'll see some really transformative change in the ways that companies make decisions as a result of this program. Do you have some examples you can give me? Yeah, so we're looking at projects that relate 
to accelerating innovation. So it might help companies to make faster decisions about the types of products that they want to create. So maybe combining consumer data and processing data that they have and then having a machine learning application where it really guides your decision making about what type of ingredients to pair together to make a product that consumers will really love. Another example could be process optimization. So using the data that runs your plant and using that to with algorithms to help you make decisions about how to adjust your processing technology. So really fine-tuning processes so that they're running at you know, the best efficiency, the highest economic return and, and doing the best work that we can with the ingredients we grow in Canada. The potential use of artificial intelligence can go from food formulation, recipe development, food safety analysis, quality assurance, to just using consumer data for products? Yeah, I think all of that and, and consumer data might fit into any one of those types of projects as well as process-related data. It could be crop data. Data from all sorts of, sorts of sources can feed into those decisions and, and projects. How does some food processing company access this, this funding? So if you visit the Protein Industries Canada website, so proteinindustriescanada.ca, you'll, you'll find a link to this program and you can reach out to us and uh, we can walk you through the expression of interest process and get you on your way to submitting an application to us for the program. And why are you doing this? You know, it's, we're all about advancing Canadian innovation and helping Canada to produce the best products that we can with the, the great crops that we grow. And so this AI fund is really specifically targeted at a particular type of innovation, but really feeds into our overall goals at Protein Industries Canada of, of making Canadian plant protein the global leader. The Market Updates with Jim's RM. Market Update is brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building material supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. Viterra prices for canola fell a dollar forty at seven fifty nine thirty five. Grain prices were reflecting downward movement. Number one red spring wheat declined eleven fifty nine at three eighty seven seventy seven. The rest were unchanged. Durham three ninety nine fifty six. Feed barley three oh two eighty seven. Chickpeas nine twenty five ninety five. Flax six twenty seven sixty seven. Lentils seven oh four fifty. Oats two fifty five thirty two, yellow peas four thirty one thirteen, feed wheat two eighty nine fifty six. At Minneapolis, December spring wheat fell twenty four and three quarter cents at nine fourteen. It's the livestock reports on the source six twenty CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn eight four two forty five seventy four. Now the latest livestock quotes. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee bringing the Heartland Market Report direct from Heartland and Swift Current. 700 head on offer last week. All class of cows sold barely steady to lower. Here are the quotations. D1 and 2 cows, $1 to $1.12, averaging 96 cents. D3 cows, 75 to 85. Good bulls over 2,000 pounds, 125 to 149.50. Medium bulls, 85 to $1.05. Here's a quotation. Feeder cattle, steers, five to six hundred pound steer calves, two thirty five to two seventy five, four to five hundred pounds, two fifty to three ten, three to four hundred pounds, two seventy five to three twenty eight. Here's a quotation for heifers, 
heifer had thousands of 1,300 pounds, 125 to 165, 900 to 1,000 pounds, heifers 215 to 220, 8, 900 pounds, 220 to 225. Heifer calves, 4,500 pounds were $2 to 240. 3 to 400 pounds for 210 to 245. Our next sorted sale is Thursday, September the 29th with 2,000 calves and yearlings on offer. This has been Lee from Heartland Livestock and Swiftcart. Good day and good marketing. And now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 4,400 hogs Friday, selling a range of 231 to $244 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 7,000 head, selling a range of 232 to $245 per CKG. 100 index hog prices for the week getting Saturday, September 17th are Only West 2020, 232.20, Only West 2021, 239.90, Maple Leaf Sig 4, 229.52, Ham's Cash, 227.52, Thunder Creek Brickle, 237.45, High Life Cash and Contract, $243.32 per CKG. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Reports on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. And brought to you by Western Ag Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. The Canadian Taxpayers Association says Ottawa's new luxury tax could hurt the working class. The federal government's new luxury tax on cars and planes valued over $100,000 and boats over $250,000 came into effect on September 1st. But taxpayers' federal director, Franco Terrazano, says there are many workers who will get caught in the crossfire because they are the hundreds of people who build and maintain these luxury items. He says the U.S. imposed luxury taxes on boats, expensive cars, planes, jewelry, and furs in 1991. Terrazano says the luxury tax in the U.S. cost over 100,000 jobs in support and building industries and was mostly repealed within two years and fully phased out by 2003. Canada's aerospace and marine industries are worried the new tax could cost a thousand or more jobs, with sales of boats, planes and cars projected to drop by $2.9 billion. On the markets, the TSX is up 111 points to 19,497. The Dow has fallen 26 points to 30,795. Oil has risen 25 cents to 85.01 per barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 75.30 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicide.